In what way? Well, in, in the way in which that allows you to react to them. You have to be able to feed off of what they're they're giving you, offering you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you hit record already? Yes. I had a feeling I can see it in your eyes. Yeah. And I think that's what Michael Pitt and Ryan Gosling are giving each other in all of those scenes. The eye. Yeah. Oh, baby, are they? Uh, yes, they are. Uh huh. This movie gay as hell. I love it. <laughs> Does this movie exist? Does this movie exist? This is like not a blip in any of these people's careers, which is so funny to me. Like, if you look, think of all, Michael Pitt is the only person you could argue it's a blip in his career. Him and Ben Chaplin, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else. It's like, oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, that movie. That was that movie I was on yeah. early on. Yeah, because this movie is a $50 million budget and it brings home 54? 56. Yeah. <laughs> Profit. Nah, barely. Yeah, I'm saying not if you count marketing. Yeah. Mm. But it is, I don't know, it's, it's one of those... How much of that budget was Bullock's, I wonder, Dude, at that time? right? Because she's got a producer credit on this, right? I mean, she, she was not cheap at 2002. No. This is post-Miss Congeniality. Yeah. I mean, she is top of the game. I mean, this is probably what she did right after Miss Congeniality, Yeah, probably. Right? Not long after, at least. Let's find out. I can yeah. figure that out pretty I quick. I bet you, while you're finding that out, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We gather around a table, we discuss a film you'll never discuss in a film studies course. I am still Dustin. I am still Arthur. And I am still Dalton. And we are here to talk about these movies in a film studies kind of way. And that means that this is a re- analysis show, not a review show. And that that does mean, indeed, that the show will have spoilers. Um, but we'll try to give you a break from spoilers in this fashion. First, we'll start out with the synopsis. We'll do a quick thumbs up, thumbs down set of reviews. So there is a little bit of review to the show. And then uh, we'll move on into a little game we like to call Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve gentle spoilers of this film or other films of the zilk. And then finally, we'll get down to business. And that's when all spoiler bets are off. So that's your warning, dear listener. Arthur Gordon has done some great research for us in the last few seconds and is going to tell us exactly what followed up Miss Congeniality now? I've got the magic Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does uh, follow, or she does follow up Miss Congeniality uh, with a, th- a, th- a threefer in 2002. She does Murder by Numbers, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Ugh. and Two Weeks Notice. Wow. On two of those, she serves as either producer or executive producer. I'd say Yaya. Is she one of the leads in that? That's a big ensemble. I didn't even know she was in that. And then she takes Which a two one? year break. Yaya Sisterhood? Yeah, I'm sure. Because isn't that like an old. That's a big Growing ensemble. Up and kids, kind of a yeah, it's like a multi generational thing. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, I bet. Then she takes a two year break and then uh, acts in the Academy Award winning Best Picture film Crash. Crash. It was always funny. To, always <laughs> funny to remember that, you know. But that's a, you know we're we're kind of at an interesting spot in her career, Dustin. I'm glad you bring that up. Like this, this is a marathon about Sandy, which we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's why we're here at Murder by Numbers, a movie that nobody remembers. You know, I don't. I think I said all the things we said without saying the thing that we're doing. Uh, it's on the title, but we are watching yeah. Murder by Numbers, starring Sandra Bullock for in the, su- the Summer of Sandy. Of course, yeah. But to Dalton's point, yeah, she is kind of peaked here at 2002, probably apexes 2004 with this uh, turn in Crash and this kind mm-hmm. of big Oscar baity movie, and oh, yeah. then there are a lot of stinkers that follow, and she still has name value. But it, it is an interesting turn in her career, I think. I, Oscar... I think The Lake House is watchable. I know a I've lot of people love once. that movie. Keisha yeah. really likes it. But... It's, it's very watchable. I mean, we've got Premonition in there. Proposal, though, was big with yeah. Ryan. But that's 09. That's a long, yeah, it's a long decade. It's seven you know? years. Yeah. I mean, but, you know. I the... mean, five after Crash, though. I mean, so. Sure. The Oscar movie can be weird for the career, though, you know. It can be. Especially True. after O2. I mean, follow-up can be. Because two weeks notice is like a middling hit. It's like an on-base. I remember uh, the, the release following... Fox's win for Ray was stealth. 
Uh, that was the next big movie he was in, which was, I think he had already, you know, already shot or whatever and was coming yeah. out not long after. Is his. he a CIA assassin? No, I think it's about oh, it's an airplane airplanes. movies. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, a an, air, it's an airplane movie. movie. Okay, well, cooler. The, they have to fight an AI stealth bomber or something. I think Natalie Portman's... Hell 9000 is a stealth bomber? Yeah, yeah. That's excellent. Natalie Portman's one after a Black Swan's funny, it's Your Highness. No, a, I, another I movie, movie nobody so remembers. Much. I hate it. Yeah, I never I saw, saw it, it at the Dollar Theater and hated everything. <laughs> I thought it was the stupidest of those, that era of the raunchy pot comedy with Rogan and Franco and those boys. There, I just thought it was garbage. There's a couple oh, of good highness ones, yeah. is a pun. Yeah, it's a pun. I thought it was going to be like a... It is medieval, but yeah. it is a weed thing. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was going to be like a fantasy, like... It's I don't both know. And. Yeah, it's their follow-up to... Snow White and the Huntsman kind of thing. Express. Yeah, exactly. We should probably get back onto the summer of Sandy. Something though. better, yes. Yeah. The summer of Sandy. Yes, the summer. We of talk Sandy. about her career later. We haven't really explored her career much. We can talk about maybe the analysis. Yeah, we'll we can say, talk we'll, about that and we'll, see where this sits in there. Star yeah. studies. Note taken. Well, with that, friends, let's go ahead and hear a synopsis of Murder by Numbers and talk about that movie, shall we, Arthur? A standoffish homicide detective gets saddled with a fresh from narcotics partner to investigate an unusual murder that seems. A bit too obvious. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, indeed. And if Columbo was here, he'd walk back into that room and say, there's just one more thing. The reason why... He'd walk back into that school gym where Goslin's smoking a cigarette in his leather jacket. <laughs> but there's just one more thing I can't figure out. The reason why I know you killed your wife with the meat grinder is... Yeah, when she that, was watching... Interesting now she's watching Matlock. Yeah, I was just about uh, to yeah. say. No, when not, she was not Columbo. Columbo. I thought it was Columbo at first. <laughs> it would have been a more obvious pool, I think. But yeah. I think there's a specific episode of Matlock that references Leopold and Loeb. Oh. Which is probably the one they were watching. I would assume is the one they were watching. Sense. Yeah. And some of the dialogue that is mentioned in that episode is circled back to in oh. what they're doing in the case, I oh, think. Oh, nice. All righty. Well, you two are both virgin watchers of this film. I don't know. Well, I've you were not. You had I'm, seen it yeah, before. before. Oh, yeah, it's you, just me. You, you were you were unsure of your memory. I was. When I was watching, I was like, yep, I've seen this. Okay. Yeah. So, I had one of those moments. Or, uh, so therefore, Dalton, you are the only virgin viewer. Um, tell us of your experience of Murder by Numbers. It's like Hollywood in the cut, you know? <laughs> this is what that is. Uh, you know, I mean, again, Screen Gems is a Hollywood outfit. Bubblegum in the cut. Yeah, exactly. That- <laughs> yeah. Uh G-rated in the cut still yeah, are. I mean, again, there's still an R-rated movie, but I mean, come on. Yeah, a totally Barely. different kind of R-rating. A very G-R rating. Give me in the cut, but make it palatable. Exactly, yeah. Give me the cut for general, in the cut for general audiences. And that's kind of what this movie is. Uh, <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Meg Ryan are definitely at different points in their careers, I feel like, when, you know, Meg does in the cut versus when Sandra Bullock does this film. But they are both very much like established leading ladies doing murder thrillers, right? Doing something a little bit different out, outside of the, the scope of their, their usual fare, both, you know, sort of famed for the rom-com genre. Uh, but, you know, Sandra's got sort of her action chops going into this, going for her. So I think general audiences are probably a little bit more ready for Sandra Bullock versus two young murderers uh, than they were for, uh, well, all the fun things we talked about in the cut. You can go listen to that episode. Uh, so again, I, I can see this going over for general audiences a little bit better because it is a much more down the plate movie. Um, I don't know. It's fine. It, it's kind of cool. You know, there's some fun stuff here. Uh, some great early performances from Gosling and Michael Pitt, uh, who, just to remind you, does not uh, is not related to Brad Pitt at all, despite definitely appearing as though he may be. Uh, no, not a cousin. Just just some guy. Uh, but good early performances from the two of them. I, I think they're really fun in this. Um, I think the movie itself is a 
kind of interesting structure as far as not being a whodunit is more of a how done it letting us kind of watch both the the criminals and the cops uh, and watch these parallel storylines run run next to each other until they can't uh, help but intersect so there's cool stuff there it's also a little too hollywood for me you know there, there's some real big and that was the moment they changed as a character moments and i just like it doesn't it lands false for me maybe it doesn't even land false it just lands a little too schmaltzy you know i i, I there's choices made with uh our, our lead character here that i just am not sure how on board i am with the them as an idea um, you know, it's, there, there's some ideas here that make you wonder, okay, well, if that would have been part of Sandra Bullock's internal process as an actor, that might've been fine. But there are things that like show up in the movie that you're just like, I don't, I don't know if this works. Uh, it doesn't work for me anyway. And we'll talk about those, uh, things when we get into a little bit more spoilery type territory. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the Cassie backstory is, is my, maybe one of the big sticking points for me. I think the more we talk about it in analysis, maybe I'll, I'll come around on it. But just sort of the the prevalence of this this backstory that kind of bleeds into the main narrative, uh, it, it just lets the movie feel too coincidental almost. Uh, it kind of lends an air of unbelievability to the proceedings that, I, I don't know, it's, it's a really grounded movie for the most part. And I just, I don't know that it needs that kind of Hollywood flourish. Uh, because this does feel like, again, it's it's an R-rated film, but it feels like it's going for a big crowd reaction. Again, it's a $50 million movie, so they certainly hoped it was going to be at least kind of a, a middle-level blockbuster in 02. Um, it, it's fun to be reminded, you know, of the adult mid-budget blockbuster, kind of a, a genre that we don't get too often these days. So that aspect of it is fun, but, you know, I was never really totally drawn in by the film's visual style uh, or anything like that. But I, I do find the structure of the storytelling mm. compelling enough. And again, like it's got some fun. Uh, I mean, the whole movie is, is positively humming with homoerotic subtext in a way that's like really delightful, but is pretty Hollywood. And as far as not uh, saying its name uh, mm. in a way that probably would have made the film a little bit more interesting, um, even though there is some sort of, love triangle situation going on in the B plots. But again, B plots in this movie are not a strong suit uh, with, with the love interest stuff. Uh, we'll talk more uh, when we can be a little less esoteric about spoilers, but I, I think all of the subplots in this movie are kind of a failing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, as much as I wanted to like all of them. Uh, and, and that kind of holds both that again, that lack of real notable flourish in the visuals and, and uh, the sort of, middling subplots are kind of what stops me from embracing this is more than I, I want to, I think, because I think there's a lot of funny stuff here and funny stuff, fun stuff here. I think it's funny that it's called murder by numbers. I assume just because there's a police song called that. Um, I, I think it's just by doing the math of how I get away with I, it. Yeah. It's, it means nothing. It's a nonsense title. Yeah. It's mean, like paint by numbers. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, paint, that's the, yeah. Paint illusion. by numbers is the, right. yeah. Exactly, but there's there's it's also no... movie by numbers. Yeah, exactly. You stole it's... my first review line. All right, well that's fine. Thank you for that. Beat him to the punch. Well, Dustin, let's start with that. Well, review. it's okay because yeah. he stole my the Gospel of John Wick joke. Uh, well, I did. Well, he said and, he told me he was going to steal it and not give me credit for it, and he did. Steal yeah, it and, and I, well, I, I did steal it. As all no, great writers go, and not give anonymous. Credit. Well, okay, we, we, I'll give you full credit for your review right now. How about that? <laughs> well, thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. Um, I'm probably riding shotgun with Dalton on this one. I, I think there's a lot of things to like about this movie. I, I, I mean, it's definitely in my wheelhouse. This adult 
murder, thriller, suspense, mystery thing is right up my alley. Uh, it's solidly cast, which helps it, I think, in spades. Um, Bullock's great. Goslings are great. Uh, Pitt's great. I, I think that central element is, is really what adds strength and longevity to this thing working as long, well as it does for as long as it does. Um, I think, and it, it may be part of that, we can talk about this, I don't know, uh, but I, I think those what Dalton alludes to as Hollywood flourishes that kind of, I think, kill some of the plots or kill some of the interest in this movie. Um, I, I think in making a general appeal, broadly appealing movie here, I think you lose what is most interesting in exploring the Leopold and Loeb case. And it'll come up later. Uh, it'll come up. The rope is going to come up later as well. Um, and I think what rope the play and Hitchcock's take on that play both get right is it's the ideology behind Leopold and Loeb's murder that is vastly more interesting than are we going to get away with it? It is that element that that's introduced a few times in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of moments where Pitt and uh, Gosling get to have these kind of discussions about why they're doing what they're doing, but it never runs with that ball. And I think the, the big draw for diving into that Leopold and Loeb murder, what happened in those, that circumstance is not what they did, but it was the mentality of why they did it. Yeah. It was holds a lot of information about both of those characters from you as an audience member be yeah. because of things it wants to pull in the third act. Yeah. But I think you're right. Giving us some more insight into those characters would have let those kind of ideological things yeah. really come to the surface. Yeah. Letting them have moments of just monologuing back and forth. Like, yeah, this is one of those movies where I think those long kind of monologues would work to really dive into the themes. Uh, and it doesn't do that. It kind of pulls back and really focuses more on the less interesting stuff. Okay. And I think my other thing about this movie, and you know, I like it. I'd watch it again. I've seen it before. And, you know, I thought I did, but I can remember it. And I think that speaks to it is like, it's just kind of forgettable. You know, like you said, it's, it's not a blip on half these people's uh, filmographies. Um, and I think it is just because it is so generic in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it, it doesn't have those, Stakes. It doesn't have that tension because I don't think it's ever a question of how is this going to play out? I, I feel like I know exactly how this is going to play out. And I like Bullock's character. She kind of navigates this world where, you know, again, we got to kind of not spoil this 20 year old movie now. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's some of this, there's a cat and mouse game, not only between the teens and the cops, but also within the department as well. Yeah. At a point. And the way Bullock, I think, navigates that, how she is constantly kind of sarcastic, kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, kind of moments throughout mm -hmm. this kind of second half of this movie where yeah. she, it really kind of gets to have some fun there. But she I, is a lot of fun in this. Yeah, she, she's she's a good she's a good time here. And she's been great this whole marathon, you know, yeah. and the one shining star from, I think, some saves some otherwise not great movies. Um but overall, sorry, kind of just getting off. And this is one of those movies where I kind of want to start moving into the analysis of now because I think there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But uh, by and large, it's, it's, it is a fine movie that I enjoyed watching, would watch again. We'll probably forget that I watched it a second time. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I am with you. I also want to move on to analysis because I don't have much to say in terms of review. It is the joke already made, movie by numbers. And as far as a good crime thriller, it is generic. 
in the fact that it is a genre film. And so it sort of hits all those beats. There are some, well, I would say they're they're cribbed, but they're well-cribbed pieces mm-hmm. that uh, it uses from other sources and, uh, and, and effectively performed by the cast and directing crew and uh, the rest of the um, you know, creative crew behind the film. But that being said, it is just what it is. It is, it is absolutely a paint-by-numbers movie. And uh, that's fine. I like westerns, too. Those are also typically, uh, oftentimes, very much paint-by-number kind of films. And so there's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying or you know, experiencing or making those kinds of genre films. But that being said, it does make it quite difficult to review. Um, Sandy Bullock has got all of the charisma all of the time, but that is just a, uh, that's just a tribute of her. Yeah. We get to see her play troubled here, which I think is the first time this marathon we've gotten. Yeah. I mean, the net, we get frightened, but we don't necessarily get, and you know, not troubled, but we we get, uh, obviously there's some kind of psychologically complex. Yeah. Yeah. There's complexity to the net, but this is like, a different level, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And again, I mean, it, it, her abilities as an actress are incredible, and they are on display to a, a greater extent than things we've seen so far. I mean, obviously, she's got more range than she does in Miss Congeniality um, here. A bit. Uh, you know, uh, so, but also, the charisma machine that she is continues to be the thing. So I find it extraordinarily watchable, um, also a little bit forgettable. And that's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a movie. I mean, that's not that's not really a knock either. I Just, would have gladly watched this in a theater. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If, same. If they put this movie out, same cast, right now, that's money on day one for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like everybody in this. Like, I'm, I'm. yeah, it's a good time. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. They're generally pro with a little bit of a caveat. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain what that's all about? I sure can. Expanding the Syllabus is where we take this film, A Gentleman's Six by all measures, and we try to talk about <laughs> it as if it's, uh, you know, a, a, an era-defining work. <laughs> that's, that's what we do here on this show. We take the trash and we elevate it because that's what Pauline Kale told us to do. And God damn it. We have no other options. Uh, we must always obey Pauline. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's fun. What's fun? Remember, she hated the French Connection, and it makes me feel like I don't ever have to catch up with the French Connection, even she though hated I, the I know I should. Right? That's an interest. That's a really interesting one. Anyway, uh, so we take the trash and we try to talk about it as you would talk about it in an academic setting. Uh, what's that mean? It means we're going to take murder by numbers and try to f- build a class around it and that class can you know range in subject uh, matter or you know subject being taught it can range in a level of seriousness and level of rigor but uh, that is that is the the assignment we give ourselves each week is to build a class around our weird little movies that we choose to watch there you go thank you very much for that dalton do you have your syllabus prepared my friend? i sure do we're cool. going to be talking about hard-bitten lady cops baby <laughs> okay uh is this a, a, a gender and media class probably i like doing those they're they're fun to talk about um and it was one of my favorite classes I ever took was a, a gender studies using the wire, which was really fun. And I, this would probably look something like that, I think, uh, because we, we've got some interesting uh, movies and shows here that I'd like to look at. Uh, Fargo, uh, both the, the wonderful film and maybe even a couple of choice episodes of the, the TV show, because I think there's some, some really strong portraits of, of female LEOs in, in that show as well. Um, but uh, of course the movie, uh, it's, it's, you know, unforgettable uh, and, and definitely gives us an interesting 
uh, portrait of a character in Marge Gunderson gives us a lot to work with in terms of an interesting law enforcement officer uh, who also happens to be exceptionally pregnant. Uh, and, and how does that inform the, mm-hmm. that film and that character? Uh, and I think that's what we'd get out of all of the, the texts we'd look at in the class is uh, how, how do these different films go about depicting uh, someone in a, a, a profession that is traditionally ge- they've been gender locked out of? Uh, and how does that, that tension get navigated? Another film we'd have to look at uh, very much in that vein of working in the boys club, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, fantastic film that also uh, gets uh, complex on gender. Lots of stuff to talk about there to unpack from a you know a social impact set set of uh, circumstances. Uh, that was a poor way to phrase that, but you get what I'm saying. Buffalo Bill is a character we got to talk about and unpack what that means for culture at large. Uh, but again, a very interesting movie as far as showing uh, a, a woman trying to work in the world of law enforcement and how the the nature of uh the boys club that is law enforcement uh how that impacts just trying to get your job done uh another film we'd look at is last week's miss congeniality i think getting two sandra bullock movies would be fun just because she plays a cop so often uh but because but also because we get two such different portraits in murder by numbers and miss congeniality both are uh a woman who has kind of set herself apart from her male colleagues uh, both by her own choices and both because they don't really accept her uh, in, in any way outside of what's convenient for them. Uh, so again, I think interesting portraits of characters in both of these films, even though I, I think I like this one a lot more than Miss Congeniality, unfortunately. Uh, we look at Nicole Kidman in uh, Karen Kusama's Destroyer, a movie that I like a lot more than most people. That uh, didn't get a lot of love when it came out. It kind of came and went without much fanfare, but I, I really like that movie a lot. Uh, I think there's a, a lot to like there. And uh, we, of course, if we're talking about, uh, you know, recent media depictions of female cops, we're going to have to look at Kate Winslet's bravura turn and Mayor of Town saying things like Wooder and Wawa. Murder Durder. Murder Durder. Yes, we have to talk about the Murder Durder. Uh, I gotta really like that show. It's really That's good. good. Uh, but I, again, I think all of these films give us something different to work with. Mm-hmm. Different shades of hard bitten, different shades of washed up, different shades of having it together. Uh, and, and I think all of those, you know, kind of complex characters that uh, we'd get in these these cla- these these films and TV shows uh, give us something to talk about as far as, you know, both the real life structures of law enforcement. We probably... Uh, pull in some uh, interviews with uh, female law enforcement officers. There's a ton out there. I skimmed some. Uh, Didn't do a great deal of research for this class, but I skimmed some, and there's some interesting ones. Um, So we probably bring something like that in so we could talk about the real world a little bit. Um, But again, I think all these films offer interesting character portraits to to examine and uh, to uh, just, you know, give us something to talk about. And uh, I think we'll talk about the Cassie uh, character uh, in just a little bit. I'm sure we will. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what syllabus have you brought in for the day? Um, I'm still not sure where I would work this because there are a couple of different ways I think I would want to take it. And uh, both would uh, originate with the idea of Leopold and Loeb. Um, and, and that case and looking at that case and discussing it... Um, Oftentimes when we talk about the impact of true crime on film, I think we almost always go to Ed Gein Mm -hmm. and just the number of things that his actions inspired. Um, When you make furniture out of people, it tends to make people want to make movies uh, about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it lends itself to a whole genre of of filmmaking. Uh, But I'm not sure that 
the Leopold and Loeb murder is not as important to media, but maybe in different ways. Um, there are a number of plays, movies, books that examine and, and tell and play with that story. Obviously, most notable Rope, um, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, which is based on a 1929 play by Patrick Hamilton, um, is kind of the most notable, I think, example of that inspiration. Uh, from there, like I said, there's Matlock episodes, Columbo episodes, there's uh, other film, uh, Funny Games, uh, yeah. somewhat inspired here another as well. Another Michael Pitt film. Yeah. Uh, really great in that movie. And another one I would probably you know put on a syllabus with... I always um, forget about the American remake of Funny Games. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I... That's the only one I've seen. Yeah, I was about to say, I did what Michael Hanukkah wanted me to do and only watched watch the, the American, American one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Made it easy on me. Thank, Thank, thanks. We stay in a... We stay in a real one. <laughs> making it easy for us to catch up. You put you put Tim Roth in it? All right, I'm there. That's a, Naomi Watts? Okay. This icing on the cake. Put some damn movie point. stars in this. Come on. I um, can't believe how brutal a movie they let him make. Wild. <laughs> um, graphic novel Ice Haven. And there is an off-Broadway musical called Thrill Me, the Leopold and Loeb story. So, I mean, it has inspired throughout the last century a number of artistic <laughs> works. Um, but... I, I think you could talk about that and the true crime element and what is so fascinating. I kind of alluded to that already. The, the, the fascinating thing about Leopold and Loeb was not that they murdered a young child. It, it was their philosophy behind it. Yeah. That made it so appealing, I think, for people to discuss and Why talk about. Why don't you about. go ahead and rehearse the Leopold and Loeb murder? Re- just rehearse? To- <laughs> you want him to rehearse the Leopold and Loeb murder? I Practice. Um, Dalton <laughs> is Loeb. I'm Leopold. You're... I'm the baby in the box. Okay. Um, um, just in case the dear listener is not yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. with so the story. Leopold and Loeb were kind of two somewhat wealthy, privileged uh, Chicagoan knights. Chicagoans? Chicagoans. Um... It was the 20s, right? Ooh, yeah, earlier, maybe? Let me get back up to the, the top here. I know it's, 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 a long, it's 100 years ago. Yeah, I believe yeah, it's a while. The, the correct term is Chicago. 1924. 1924, okay. Yeah. Um, there it is. But yeah, I mean, these are a couple of very wealthy boys, uh, men, um, who kind of were very taken by Nietzsche and this idea of the Uber, Ubermensch, yeah. the uh, Superman idea theory that there are a privileged group of individuals who can act and are superior to even the upper echelons of human society. Um, and even murder wouldn't be off limits to these people. For those of you in the back of the classroom, this is what Baron Zemo meant in that Falcon and the Winter Soldier show when he said superheroes are inherently supremacists. Yeah. This is what he's talking about. There's just people that can crush other people like bugs, and they should get to do that because they, they kick ass. Yeah, and this is the philosophy that drives uh, Leopold and Loeb, and some say maybe Loeb a little more than Leopold, uh, but uh, it drives them to uh, finally act on this uh, desire to murder, uh, and they target one uh, Robert Franks, a 14-year-old, uh, the son of a Chicago watch manufacturer. Um, they go through with this murder, wind up getting caught, Go to prison. One gets killed in prison. One dies at the age of sixty-six. Um, but it is this kind of idea of can we commit the perfect murder, and who is allowed to murder, if anybody? And that's really the philosophy when rope, right? And the lot of monologuing and back and forth about the perfect murder and these philosophies and these ideals. Um, and so we would talk about that and look at all that. But I think pivoting from rope. 
I could also use this from a production technical standpoint in a film class to talk about the one shot film. Yeah. Rope is notable as really the earliest instance of doing a quote unquote one take film. Obviously it's edited together because of the 10 minute film reels that they had to use. Uh, but it is staged, it is shot, it is edited to look like a single take film. Um, and from there, I mean, we've had dozens of uh, movies that have attempted to try this experiment to encapsulate an entire story without cutting and spanning time and distance and space and media uh, characters. Video games have tried it yeah. uh, with the God of War from yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that idea itself has become so impactful and influential, I think, in, in the world of film production um, that, again, kind of has its seeds here with Rope and through, uh, obviously, uh, that Leopold and Loeb case. So I think we could talk about it uh, in both of those realms. And so I think if we were looking at true crime, we would talk Rope. Uh, we might look at some of that Matlock, Columbo, kind of murder of the day type TV series, and then probably end at Funny Games, which I really think delves into why are we doing this? Because we can. And why are we telling stories about it? Yeah. More importantly. Oh, yes. That very meta critique of Funny Games. Um, and then from there, we would pivot and maybe talk about some of the technical stuff. So we would look at Rope uh, from that uh, regard as well. We'd probably talk a little bit about Gaspar Noe. We were talking about him off air. Uh, we'd probably look at maybe Enter the Void mm -hmm. or parts of Enter the Void. Uh, I think we'd look at Silent House because mm -hmm. it was the, really the first time that idea was marketed to general audiences. Again, the film starring Elizabeth Olsen yep. film is one take. Again, we talked about F cinema scores. When we talked about in the cut, it is another one of those it's, 21 oh, we films. Got it, that's right. It got an F, cinema, got the score. F cinema score. Um, we would talk about Birdman, best picture winner from Alejandro, Alejandro Inirritu. Yeah. Um, there. Uh, and then 1917 is probably where we would end this, which feels like the most massive in scale and scope approach to the one take film that we've seen at least in a modern day. And so that's what I would try. I don't know, you know, it's still, I mean, there are a couple different ways I take it, but these are the kind of paths I would really kind of want to dive into either from a production standpoint or from a true crime and media standpoint and go one of those two routes. I think a lot of interesting places for you to take it. Yeah. Dustin, you're teaching this. What's it look like? I think I would use this film in a Hitchcock course. I think I would talk about the rehitchings. Mm -hmm. um, Films the, that Hitchcock inspired. Yeah, exactly. And so this film, obviously, Rope, we've already talked about it quite a bit. And clearly there's a lot of plot bones that come out of Rope that come into uh, this film. Again, Rope is a much better movie. But um, that's that's a good example of that. Um, I, I think I'd also look at Strangers on the Train and Throw Mama mm -hmm. from the Train, uh, which is a Billy yeah. Crystal movie that I have a lot of affection for. I'm not going to lie. And so I think it's a lot of fun there as, uh, again, another sort of like more of a, a genre move than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, plot wise, again, the bones of the movie are all there. But what Danny DeVito and um, Billy Crystal are doing in that film is doing all of that stuff without any of the homoerotic subtext, as memory serves. Mm -hmm. It's been <laughs> maybe a decade since I've seen this. Yeah, I think you're uh, right, though. Uh, without any of that, and again, uh, moving it from a suspense thriller into the realm of just a real kind of high comedy. And so I think that's an interesting move there. And then finally, I want to look at Gus Van Zandt's Psycho next to Psycho, uh, which is... What uh, a wild blank check. Yeah. What a, what a banana's choice. I love it. Uh, I might also show a, a clip from 24 Hour Psycho while I'm at it. Uh, the filmmaker is escaping me, but it is slowed down Psycho to be played over the course of 24 hours ah. as a film art installation piece. Interesting. Uh, it was at the uh, Museum of Modern Art. 
Uh, do you have the... Uh, Douglas Gordon? Douglas Gordon is correct. Thank you. Very good. Um, you get all the bonus points. How much did you wager on that? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, Arthur. But anyway... Uh, Credit there... for my John Wick joke. The... <laughs> not going to let him forget about it. I won't. <laughs> he, we simply won't stand for joke theft on this show. <laughs> you, I, you're going to take the plagiarism course. So it's sure to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Oh, mercy sakes. But anyway, uh, that that would be the class. It, it would be a module within that class. I mean, I, I think about maybe high anxiety, which is sort of like this sort of super diploma kind of thing that happens, um, you know, in, in, in a comedy kind of context. There's also uh, the international film uh, Do You Like Hitchcock, uh, which is sort of a, another sort of serial killer who does his murders based on inspiration um, from uh, the the films of Alfred Hitchcock, Disturbia, and its connection to Rear Window. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a couple of others that one could look at, but really the highlights for me would be Throw Mama from the Train, this film, and then finally um, Gus Van Zandt's Psycho, because I do think that sort of shot for shot, but color remake is an interesting ch- set of choices and uh, a good way to maybe sort of get into the bones of stylistic stuff uh, with Psycho. So there you go, dear listener. There's your syllabus. It just got a lot longer for all of you. I think now it's time to get down to business. Look, I know we've got to get down to business, but I, we got to talk about this. If you don't know about this, listener, Gus Van Sant cashed in his Oscar wins <laughs> from Goodwill Hunting <laughs> to do a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho because people don't watch black and white movies anymore. What a bananas choice that I uh, I'm absolutely did they watch on board Ghost Van Sant Psycho. Uh, they did, did not. Did no, nobody did. I don't believe anyone did. No, uh, I think I'm the only one who's bomb. seen it. Yeah, it's a huge bounce. A uh, budget of sixty million dollars and it brought in thirty-seven point two. Oh man, that Oof. is disappointing. Hard on everyone's careers. Uh, but just what a what a baller choice. <laughs> what an absolute like swing for the fences thing to do. I love it. Yeah. I, and I, I think it's actually an interesting piece. I really do. I need to rewatch. I, I think I've seen parts of it when I was younger. I've never seen it. Um, if we ever cover Psycho on this, this show, we should just do the remake. We did Psycho, didn't we? Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah. We did a, one of our uh, Sharktobers. Yeah. 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 Damn. Too, too bad. We missed our chance. All right. Well, let's talk about Murder by Numbers then. Yes. Now, hey, let's talk about Murder by Numbers. All right. Um, Sandy Bullock. Uh, w- Has a career. Let's situate this within her career. Go. Okay. So, Miss Congeniality just came out. Huge, huge hit. Um, she's already started to do the producer, actress, producer thing before Miss Congeniality. Uh, this kind of gives her another level of clout, right? Uh, going into the the summer, or the year 2002, uh, two weeks notice, Murder by Numbers. And what was the third one, Arthur? Do you remember of what now that year? Oh, two. oh, yeah, yeah, sisterhood. Uh, yeah, yeah, sisterhood. Which yeah. again is that's I think you know ensemble piece, not really a Sandra Bullock vehicle. I think we can kind of focus our conversation on two weeks' notice and murder by numbers. This is her twenty sixth film in fifteen years. Working hard, man. Look, golly, working like a dog, Sandy. Come on, that's how you got to do it, though. She's you gotta, hustling. Every you got to get that bag. Uh, good for her. And again, I, the career has continued pretty much un, unstopped, uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, a couple of pauses for, for, you know, parenting and stuff, but largely keeps making movies throughout the aughts. Um, but again, you know, we've got 
Crash right after this, mm-hmm. and then after Crash, we get the blind side and the proposal, which kind of, again, after Crash, uh, it's kind of radio silence on a lot of people's careers after that movie. You never want to be in the Best Picture winner that nobody liked. Uh, never want to have that happen to your career. Yeah, Jake and Heath had a lot better career after... Uh, after- yeah. They had, Jake and Heath had wild careers after Brokeback Mountain. But, you want to uh, be in the movie everybody wanted see. to win Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's see here. Uh, Don Cheadle did okay. Yeah, Don Cheadle made it all right, but you know he's and also been swallowed up by the MCU. It. You know, And Chris Ludacris Bridges got swallowed up by the Furious multiverse. Yep. Um, but Ryan Phillippe, you know, he's got a tough run. Uh, not Ben Affleck. Jennifer Esposito. Yeah, oh, Matt I Dillon. Esposito's in that. I like Esposito. Um, what is Matt Dillon? Not Matt Dillon. Um, isn't Brendan uh, Fraser? Brendan Fraser in it. Thank you, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I mean his career takes a, a real turn after Crash. Yeah, uh, Tandy yeah. Newton. Oof, doesn't really do anything until yeah. Westworld. Yeah, which is huge for her career. Mm. Uh, well, I guess Pirate isn't she in the Pirates movie? No, never mind. She may be in That's one of them. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Crash kind of ruins her career a little bit. Um, and, and, and sort of creates a cool period. Do, do, I would say it derails it, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so Murder by Numbers is sort of, as Arthur said at the start of the show, it's this weird pinnacle, right? It, it does sort of sit at the top of, you know, the end of her very successful 90s run. Uh, because except with the exception of Speed 2, Cruise Control, her 90s are pretty flawless, right? Yeah, I don't think she misses much. Maybe yeah. 28 Days. Oh, yeah. I like 28 Days a little they bit. They made $20 million back, so it profited. That's Forces right of movie. Nature. That's the one with Affleck. Oh, my God. Made Affleck a 20 million and Sandy pro- did a movie together? You don't know? I don't remember this. Hmm. Wow. Practical Magic, though. I yeah. Mean, yeah, she was, People like that. she was working. That was a bomb. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. Yeah, people like I brought that brought in 60 something on a $70 million budget. Wow. Oops, the daisies. Yeah. I wonder what the uh, rental... Life was on that, though. Well, yeah. You know. Now that we can talk about spoilers, uh, and we're talking about Sandy as a performer, Cassie Mayweather is not her original name in this film. It's not the character's original name. It's a name change after a traumatic uh, early-in-life event. Mm -hmm. Turns out uh, Cassie was in an abusive relationship in high school that you know carried over into adulthood and almost got her damn murdered. Uh, Interesting backstory, uh, I think. You know, it's it's a little... Convenient, a little Hollywoody to have your hard-bitten female detective be a victim of uh, violence, especially interpersonal and you know, domestic violence. Uh, it's also, you know, compelling. It, it is a reason that would compel uh, something that would compel somebody to get into law enforcement. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that we necessarily need her character to have something that tragic in, in the back pocket. Yeah, you know, or. Uh, at the very least, if we do, it needs more time to develop, right? You know, we've got the mayor of Easttown, you know, it's got the tragic, uh, mentioned already, has got uh, a tragically um, deceased child story, right? And that's part of that narrative. But the only reason that show is able to kind of successfully get into the weeds with that is because it, it takes. is. It's a miniseries. Yep. Yeah. It takes its time, and it's it's got other characters to support that arc. We don't really have anybody from Cassie's life to... to understand her right there's a, a scene where she's on the phone and beck and i both looked at each other and we're like wait a second who who's she on the phone with she has no friends yeah as far as we know and the movie doesn't feel the need to let us know who she's on the phone with it's just it says but don't, don't worry about it cassie's got a friend mm-hmm. um or a parent some she's got a relative or a friend S- somebody somebody she talks to work uh, talks to about work uh but we we don't get anybody from her life outside of her job to really give us more 
you know, kind of interiority into this, this you know, uh, this tragedy, this trauma that happened to her. Uh, and, you know, the, there's some interesting stuff where Ben Chaplin, uh, what's his character's name? Sam? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other detective that she's partnered with, which tries to get her to talk about it. Um, and I, I don't know, that, that relationship could be more interesting. I don't think it's necessarily an uninteresting choice for those two to sleep together. I think the movie doesn't really do anything with it other than use it to create a little bit more tension between the two of them. Yeah. Um, I think that's exactly the purpose for which it was designed. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's fine, but yeah, yeah. it could have well, been. Well, it gives us, again, that those choices give us something into uh, Cassie's internal psychology, right? The, yeah. the distance with which she has relationships, uh, the, the, the no work-life balance sort of stuff. You know, that tells us something about her, and it is an interesting choice for the movie. But again, it's it's another subplot that isn't really fully developed, and uh, I don't want it to be right. I don't I don't need her and Sam to end up together. That's not really what yeah. I'm interested in. I'm more interested in what's going on with her in the teens. That's compelling. Her, Ryan Gosling flirting with her. That's pretty compelling stuff. The scene yeah. in the car. That yeah yeah that's, that's a scary scene. It's a yeah. terrifying yeah. scene. Really really good filmmaking. That's one of the moments where yeah. you're like, all right, everybody's everybody showed up to work that day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that that whole sequence. Uh, but again, it 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 tells us something. Uh, you know that that scene is the closest we get, I think, to her backstory having um, any bearing on the story itself. Right? It's it's a very sort of uh, uh, unbalanced uh, power dynamic going on there. Right? Even though she's a police officer, she's been caught watching somebody she's been told not to watch. And she's been caught in a compromising situation with, you know, her her engine turned off and this guy leaning inside of her car window. So it's it's it kind of takes us back to, you know, uh, a, some a reality that Cassie would be familiar with. Right. Based on the, the traumatic backstory yeah. that's established for her. But we don't really do anything with it. We, we get her later on saying that the Gosling character reminds her of, of her ex who tried to kill her. Um, and that's that's the closest the movie comes to connecting the dots. But again, that that was what I was referencing as maybe being too convenient uh, at right. the top of the show, right? Yeah, the yeah state champion pole vaulter story. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, and again, it's 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 just yeah. it is kind of convenient contrivance kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and and I think this is part of why the movie doesn't work like rope works because rope. Well, for you know, you mentioned something about it not being blown away by its style. I can't identify the style of this film. It's pretty visually flat, yeah. right? There's a good shot, that opening shot uh, of the what we think is a, a suicide pact. That's kind of kind of good. There's you know the yeah. very psycho esque yeah. push into the window yep. at the top of the movie, which is uh, how rope opens. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Push Same through push a into a window. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, hitch. Full, yeah. full of his little tricks. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I, it's it's harder to admire that. Exactly. Somebody's done it. It's it's sort of an established yeah. cool, cool thing you can that do. We're making this homage, and then they just do the thing. And again, these characters are. I, I do think that Gosling and Pitt's sexual tension is more interesting than John Dahl and Farley Granger's in Rope because it's more questionable. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Is yeah. it more in the text in this, or no? I, I I think it is very apparent that they are a couple in rope, oh, okay. or that there has been some sort of encounter. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotcha. the murder is heavily alluded to as a sexual Situ- event between the two of them. Gotcha. Like it kind of takes the place of. I think, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is the. The, the completion of the murder is climax. The thing we gotcha. can't yeah. do in public, and we're going to flaunt it in front gotcha. of everybody. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And I think there is more of a question is like, do, you know, are is they, Gosling are... into Pitt? Is this a reciprocal? What's yeah. the thing? Who's into who? Why yeah. did you make an amalgamation of yourself as a child? You know, yeah, is, right. is that the Superman or is yeah. that your future kid? I kind of love that that goes unremarked upon the face morph of the two of them. Yeah. Other than when Pitt like wants to break up with him and like yeah. separates the image back out. Yeah. Which is some very cheesy computer stuff. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, some unphotoshopping that he does. <laughs> Command Z. Command Z. Command Z. Command Z. But Very yeah, I, I do find that bit uh, to be, as far as screenwriting, a bit more interesting. But okay. um, formalistically, though, the rest of the movie, it plays like a very long episode of Long and Order. Yes, it is very much. That's It's Columbo. It's yes, Matlock. Yep, it's yeah. one of the things I thought of, too. Yeah. And movies can do that. Prisoners is that. I like Prisoners a lot more, though, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. it looks really good. Um, and we know. Uh, to kind of parallel those films. I don't know why I decided to bring up Prisoners other than, well, you know, I think the comparison's apt. As you said, these are movies we're talking about that are feature-length Law & Order episodes. I think uh, Hall's detective in that film is a very interesting and complicated character that we know jack shit about. And I don't, I don't necessarily think we needed to know nothing about Cassie, but knowing less would have been a lot more Maybe more helpful. More helpful well, than Let more. her have scars, but don't explain them. Yeah, we ha- but we have to explain it so we can give it a Hollywood ending. Yeah. Well, yeah she I has mean, to go yeah. testify at his parole hearing and be a changed person. Yeah. She's yeah. accepted yeah, the, the, the past. Hollywood bit is the super explaining, the the, yes. uh, the super yeah. closed loop bit yeah. of it. I mean, I, I am actually great with the idea of a person who is a victim of trauma finding a way out of that trauma, yeah. using that trauma as an impetus to better the world like that i i think we need more stories that do that i'm i'm all for it but i do think it's a bit too much yeah the way it's articulated you know in the film you i'm also, glad you got that because i've been struggling to articulate what the issue was because yeah. again it's not bad to do that in a movie it's mm-hmm. a, just like that it's we good want, we want more of it yeah just a bit schmaltzy it's, here you, you can do it in a way that isn't schmaltzy but though. it's yeah. the hollywood you know three times for slow joe on the back row right yeah 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 there you go well, I was also going to say you can't beat Paul Dana to a bloody pulp uh, <laughs> on CSI or Law and Order, uh, but most of the things we see in this movie could air on broadcast television. Oh, yeah, it's such with a, a few minor edits. It's so interesting how chaste and like reserved this film. Even is. the Gosling sex scene is super chaste. Yeah, you know? uh, I mean, that, that, that would one hundred percent air on TV today. Yeah, yeah. the Absolutely. violence is super chaste. Yeah, which I think is probably fine. You know, I don't need this to be graphic or anything. No. I don't need us to revel in the details of the murder. But I think that kind of coupled with the lack of a visual flair really reinforces this feature-length TV episode feel. Well, and the neatness of the the story, too, right? Um, we, we get uh, a evil Disney villain falling from a high place death for our more evil kid. <laughs> and we get a <laughs> going to prison forever for... Yeah. Well, and less the, evil kid. And for the Michael Pitt conclusion, we have a Colombo moment. Yes. Oh, one. I have one we do more. Have one more thing. One more thing. I just need, you know, need which to I add. think is interesting, right? I thought, uh, I think the climax of this movie is really interesting because it looks like it's going to morally let the Michael Pitt character off Go. the hook, yeah. right? He is sort of the. I, I was going to make a Columbine reference, but I don't remember which of the two of those psychos was like the the daddy of that relationship. Harris. So let's call him the Harris Leopold. Was, Harris was. The Leopold? Because Leopold, yeah. I think, was a little... He's the yeah. one that got... Too, I think was very... Uh, Pulled in. Guilty about... Feel, he felt guilt gotcha. about what happened and was trying to right that wrong in his life through his time in prison. He mm. really did try to feel rehabil- rehabilitated. So I feel like he's okay. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we can call him the Leopold. Okay. Uh, he, it, it, you know, he, he saves Cassie by jumping in front of a bullet uh, from Gosling. Um, the the more nefarious of the two of them, yeah. 
Um, and it definitely see, and, and then like he saves her Literally from falling. Her. Yeah. yeah. He saves her twice. Yeah. Not once, but twice. And it is like, wow, is this movie really going to let him selfless act his way out of doing a murder? And then it doesn't. And I, I think that is fun. I think her Columboing him one more thing. I knew it was you. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's that's really interesting to to set up that very Hollywoody redemption arc and then to jerk it away. I think that's pretty fun. I think that's one of the more fun choices the film makes. Yeah. As, as one of the best as, ones, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Again, as far as setting up that, that sort of Hollywoody resolution and then zigging when you think it's going to zag. Right. Which is what makes the rap, the kind of the bookend scene of uh, the parole hearing so... Ugh, tacked me. on yeah it feels so tacked on because we've already kind of made a fun choice to not be hollywood well that and she doesn't need to go back and be um jessica hudson she that, that i mean that to say the last line of her you know from her character being that's me yeah I, that's no no that's not no, cassie's you. her yeah cassie, cassie is you. Can and, just and you, can, as... you can bury jessica hudson and become somebody else i yeah. mean i think that is part of the good news of that you know yeah. positive positive arc and then to sort of rejigger it back in I, bothers me. I find it irksome. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to say something and I forgot. I'm sorry. No, you're okay. Oh, uh, on the pit thing, do you feel like it's buried, that lead? Or, or do you feel like... Yes, I think I do. Um, I think the To whole... the detriment of the film? No, I think it works mostly. I, I, I think it could be more successful, but I, I think it's an interesting choice because it, it hedges its bets the whole time, right? Yeah. It does kind of keep giving you um, more menace from the Gosling character. Yeah. It, it keeps letting him be the more nefarious one, the one that's like, you're all talk, you don't actually do things. So for it to end up that he is the one that actually did the murder. Orchestrated it, or yeah. Both orchestrated and did yeah. do the killing. A good misdirection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very good misdirection. I'll tell you what, um, I really, you know, we've, we've been pretty critical of the film, and I, I think it's fine that we have been. I do, I do love their frame job of... Um, Sean Penn's character. Oh yeah, framing whatever, up Ray. Whatever. Yeah, Ray. That's his real name. Yeah. Well, All you right. need you need uh, something for the you know her boss to say this case is closed. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to have red herring in there. So right. she uh, she's forced to take it in on her own. My and then that's one of my favorite things about this movie is the way she plays that. Right. It's like isn't it a little too obvious? You know, like that whole like she's one step ahead of everybody. And nobody wants her to be or buys into her or what believes what she's saying. Because yeah. she's the real super binge. Yeah, of course. Obviously. She's Gracie Hart. Well. Undercover. <laughs> um, things Gracie went bad Lou with Benton Free Brush. Brush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Detective. But I, I think that for me, that's one of the more interesting things is the way she kind of is. I, I'm really interested in that. The portrayal of that character. We've talked a lot about the backstory, but I think the the current of who this character is and the way she navigates the dynamics and the power struggles within the department. I think she has the respect of her captain. Yeah, you know, and I think he respects her. She respects him. Even her. There's shitty... almost a fatherly moment when he's like, yeah. "Go home." Yeah, you know. Even I think her shitty ex boyfriend, the DA, like seems to begrudgingly respect her, even if he hates her. And we don't really, you know, it frames him almost as a as a bad bad guy just because of what he says. Yeah, but we don't see how she's treated him. Uh, yeah, all we get is that he was physical with her. Uh, yeah, she kind of alludes to him being rough, and that yeah. was, and she broke his nose or something. Yeah, that's all he we kind of get. Uh, he is kind of the final destination for Sam if they were to stay together. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Sam is probably going to, and she's going to treat Sam the same way she would treat that DA. 
Yeah. It would seem. Which I, I, I like, as I said at the top of the show, I I do like her portrayal overall. That was why I made that comment about like, you know, the, yeah. the traumatic backstory being an interesting part of the acting process. Because yeah. you're right. I think the portrayal is spot on, even if the actual way it's deployed by the film as a, as a finished piece is kind of the iffy. narrativization of it. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah. A little, little iffy, even, even if like larger aspects of the arcs work. Um, I think the parallel partnerships is kind of interesting. I know we talked about that structurally earlier on. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we've got these two different partnerships, both sexual uh, at mm-hmm. some level. Yeah. Um, both uh, about the same murder. Um, so we do kind of get that that interesting quirk of the story. Uh, Sam's not the best partner in the world. He does think everything is about him, unfortunately. Uh, everything is because everything's a bad idea because he stumbled across it. Yeah. Well, stop stumbling across red herring, Sam. <laughs> right. Pay attention to the movie you're in, Sam. <laughs> Do Everybody not know is. you're acting next to Sandra Bullock. <laughs> if you pay attention, you'd know. There's a, you know, both in the Lee Bolton Loeb case and in uh, Columbine and this film, you know, this this media depiction of it's it's interesting in a lot of these true crime stories where there's two perpetrators. There there is often like a a more forceful figure and a more, you know, passive figure. It's it's interesting that the the film gets that right. I think at some level, I, th- I think that's sort of a, 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 a checks boxes as far as like mm-hmm. doing its job. Yeah, you know, th- there's psychological realism to what's being depicted at some level, which I yeah. think is nice. Well, all right, friends. Yeah, it feels like we're running out of steam on this well, one. Let's go ahead and get to that point in which we render a verdict on murder by numbers. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash? I, I am going to casually toss this into the trash, I believe, is where it shall go. Very good, very good. What are you going to say, Dalton? Yeah, I, look, I know I said earlier that if this movie came out today, it's money on day one for me, and I stand by that. I'm still gently throwing this in the trash. It's not a particularly good movie. Yeah. Uh, again, great performances from everybody in it. Uh, I, I think really standout work for all three of them. But it's just kind of a wonky film. There, there's a better version of this movie that could have been made. It just it is not this one. Very good, very good. I am also going to trash it. I think it's a streamable film. I, I think it's, you know, if, yeah. it, if, if we're in the age of basic cable catch it on the basic cable if we're in the age of streaming when it's around uh by all means spend an afternoon or an evening watching this movie curled up on a couch but i wouldn't own it it's it's generic in the sense of it is paid by numbers is this movie on tnt or tbs this is a tnt movie okay for me i think that's probably where this one ends up okay it's on hbo max it is there you go. This is an HBO yeah, yeah, movie. You that is not basic it. cable, but it is on HBO. Yeah, that's not TV, baby. It's premium. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. If you want to tell us some good, H- if you got some good HBO jokes for us, uh, here's how you send us those good HBO jokes. Uh, you can email us your long form feedback, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you got something to say. Uh, we're also over on Twitter at goodtrashmedia. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to do that. Social media is bad for you. Take a break from it. Uh, but if you're feeling extra compelled to participate in it, we're at Good Trash Media. We post links to the show, stuff like that over there. Um, if you want to help support us, you can find us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com. Dustin's shaking his head. No, don't do that. Do not support us. And you're, he's absolutely right. You don't have to. The sole endeavor is supposed to be as free as it possibly can be. Um, notice our tasty lack of ads. Um, but 
That said, if you do want to support us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, some fun rewards for you over there. Some fun bonus content over at Patreon. And again, you know, it just helps us pay hosting fees, crap like that. Maybe uh, get a new mic if Dustin pees on his. You know, he's sort of not, again. He's not again. I know he's not <laughs> housebroken. We can't we can't fix him. Um, anyway, patreon.com forward slash GTM. The, the best bonus you can get over there is a little something from the old Arthurtron 9000. That's right. We have our very own algorithm. He's more of an Arthurrhythm. Um, he just, you, you tell him your favorite movies, you tell him actors you like, and what does he do? He sends you a nice little package in the mail. It could be a Blu-ray, it could be a DVD. That sort of depends on how much of your wallet you open up. Uh, but uh, it's, it's always a pick straight from Arthur's heart straight to your door and um we got the burbs one time um if you're a first-time listener my wife insists on uh, being a patron so she can pick movies even though i would just let her do that uh but arthur sent us the burbs because she likes tom hanks and i tell you what that's a good movie you get you guys seen the burbs i have that's that's a john joe dante classic man. it's fun Ugh, go watch the burbs listener uh don't get on twitter uh and that social media corner arthur the Summer of Sandy has sort of been a rough one as far as finding media we want to put on the shelf. Uh, lots of great performances and a, a lot of not great movies. How are we closing this out? How do we do Sandy justice to, to wrap this marathon up? Well, next week, uh, it, that's a curious question because I think we would want to look back at her career and see how many of the movies are actually shelfable. Because I don't know if next week's is going to be shelfable, Uh-oh. but I think it's important. Uh oh! I think I know what it is. Next week we finish off our Sunday of Sandy Summer of Sandy Marathon by once again focusing on Bullock's star power. Oh no! We take a look at a movie that heavily capitalized on Bullock's name. Yep. And delivered a blockbuster experience at home that kept people talking for months afterwards. Next week we end the Summer of Sandy <gasps> worth Bird Box. Oh, thank All God! Right. Oh, phew. Arthur, I was sweating bullets. I thought mm. I was going to have to talk about the Blind Side. <sighs> I was hoping really hard for gravity. That'd be in film. Oh, Seth gravity! Wilson. Nice, yeah. That's that's maybe the best Sandra Bullock movie, easily. Like, right by a pretty wide margin, I think. I think so. Best performance, best like movie. Yeah, but Bird Box, I'm excited about. Uh, you know, it's it's very important to Netflix. It's very important to Netflix. It's very important for Sandy's career, right? Like, yes, it's it kind of got. I feel like eaten up a little bit by a quiet place. You know, they yeah. just sort of came out, they Armageddon deep impacted Similar, each other, yeah. but you know, and the, the, the air and streaming, this stupid that's what I was about movie. to say, no box. We'll talk about this next week, but yeah. when there's no box office, you can still, the streaming can, can still win out. Uh, yeah. People love this movie. It's, did it get a sequel? I did not. Well, I don't know if it did or not. They uh, may have greenlit one. I don't know. I feel know. like I heard one getting Bird greenlit. boxes. But I might be just met, thinking about how quiet Bird place box got and golden gloves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about Bird Box next week. There you go, dear listener. Um, your syllabus got longer, and we'll be uh, with you again next time. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.